The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Yes, indeed. Hi, everybody. And that theme song, once again, is exactly what we're talking about today how our loved ones are all around us after they pass, close as a thought or a memory, but actually right in our presence. But today, we're not talking about human form. We're talking about our beloved pets and other animals. I'm going to get to my guest in just a minute, but I want to share with you, if you have a pen and paper ready, get ready to write down a URL because I have a special offer for you. My books, Messages of Hope and Wolf's Message, are now available as an audiobook on audible.com messages of hope tells the story of how i went from being a skeptic to accepting my calling as a psychic medium and in wolf's message i tell the story of a young man whose signs from beyond the veil left no doubt that we are all both human and a soul well i want to offer you an opportunity to experience these audiobooks free so the first 25 listeners who send an email to feedback at unityonlineradio.org with a subject line of either Messages of Hope audiobook or Wolf's Message audiobook in the subject line will receive instructions on how to download a free copy of the audiobook. That's thanks to Unity for that. So I hope you enjoy them. So back to our wonderful guest. If you listened in the past, you heard Karen Anderson. I found out about Karen when I learned of her wonderful book, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals. We had such a great conversation here on the show that I asked her to come back. So, Karen, welcome back. Oh, Suzanne, I thank you so much. So, so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me back on the show. <laughs> It's our pleasure. And let me just share with everybody, you are an award-winning afterlife expert and a coach. You have over 22 years of experience in animal communication. I love that. Let me just uh, find out if I seem to remember you do bring through humans as well as a medium. Isn't that right? I do. I didn't start out that way, but boy, they sure found their way through my sessions. Well, they would because, as I tell everybody, that those across the veil can see those of us here who have just the right vibration in our energy field that we can sense them. So they would know and they would drop in on us. But Karen's devoted to helping clients find peace and healing after a loss. And, boy, you do that with your books. I already mentioned uh, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, but also Hear All Creatures. Would you give a quick recap of your background so that people know that uh, you didn't always – uh, do this kind of work? 
Right, I know. Just like you, you know, I kind of started out in a um, a very different field. I was actually a police officer in Colorado, and I was uh, serving my community in this uh, tiny little mountain district called Bailey, and that's where everything kind of uh, snowballed for me. I was the only female officer, a very small department, and I never had backup. There was always, you know, uh, it's a huge district, so you always had a great deal of miles between one call and the next call. So you were on your own. I have to interrupt you a second there. You know, knowing what you and I both know right now, I heard that and I thought, no, we always, all of us have backup. (laughs) (laughs) Different kind of backup. Yep, yep, yep. I wouldn't have wanted to be in your shoes not knowing what we know now, but sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. It's not like what you see on TV, you know, where like 30 police cars pull up on a scene. No, that wasn't what I Mm. experienced. It was me by myself responding to these calls. So I had to learn to rely on every one of my senses for my own personal safety. Hmm. And it wasn't intentional. It just happened. It was like an you know, organic kind of event. And I didn't realize my calling at the time, so I was kind of behind that curtain of doubt, as you were. And what actually got me going was uh, there was a case of uh, a double homicide in our district that was a cold case, and I heard that there was a psychic that was going to communicate with them, the victims, to see if they could find the bodies, which were never found. And that kind of piqued my interest. I was like, what? A psychic can talk to a deceased person? What? I mean, this was a whole bizarre world to me at that point. And... Uh, that's when everything just started happening for me. I started paying attention to the subtle changes in uh, somebody's behavior. When I'm interviewing someone, I would watch their eyes. I could sense when someone was lying to me, when someone was telling the truth. I could sense when I was potentially in danger. I just started having a heightened awareness, and that's where it all started to happen. Wow. Well, I want to encourage everybody to go back and listen to the other episode. You can do a search on Unity Online Radio's uh, page and listen to some of the stories about how animals helped her solve cases. I just couldn't get enough of those stories. But we want to just jump ahead now. You've been doing this animal communication for 22 years. Is it your full-time work now? Uh, It is my full-time work. It has been. Uh, for that most of that time, and it's it's truly something that I didn't set out to do, but uh, I had a higher calling. And once I was in alignment with that calling, and once I started honoring my gifts, I decided at that point that this was something I could offer to help people. I could help animals, and being an animal lover, that was so true to my heart. And following this journey, it's a crazy one, but following this journey has been the most amazing, incredible, rewarding, fulfilling experience I could have never imagined happening to me. So I'm, I'm very honored to be a part of all those who have benefited from either my books or private sessions with me or, you know, in, in whatever capacity I've been able to help. I feel like I'm, I'm contributing healing to those hearts that are broken by the loss of a beloved pet and 
you know, that's a good job to have right there. No doubt about it. And, I, you know, you just helped all the listeners in a way you're probably not aware by just encouraging them to follow their passion, following, follow their calling. Everybody that's listening, you know what it is that really just opens your heart, what you're called to do. And when you can trust that and honor that, then things fall into place. I just, it's your wonderful example of that, I'm a Karen. wonderful. I'm a wonderful example, and truly, no matter what it is that brings you that soul-filling joy, you know, maybe you're a painter, maybe you're a writer, maybe you're a singer or a piano player, tennis, whatever you do, whatever brings your heart that joy, that passion. When you stand in alignment with that, and you honor your natural-born, your God-given gifts, the universe does this remarkable thing. It provides abundance to you, and Uh doors will open. Opportunities will present themselves. You will begin this incredible journey. It doesn't happen all at once, but you'll begin this incredible journey, and the more in alignment you are with your natural passion, your gifts, the more amazing things will happen, and it it will... become very effortless. It'll become almost like things fall in your lap. And you couldn't make it happen what happens, and that's because the universe is smiling upon you. Your your loved ones on the other side, your spirit guides, angels on the other side are like applauding. Yes, yes. I was just going to say, I'm hearing yes. this. Woo, woo, woo. Yes, they're <laughs> Absolutely. doing it. You know, so and so. How about it. sharing with us an an amazing story? Not of not of how your work fell into place, but this just entices us with one example of a of a beautiful healing that came from your work and connecting with oh an animal gosh. across the veil. I have like bazillions of stories, but um, there's always a few that kind of percolate up in your mind, you know, because everyone is unique and so special and amazing. And when it's happening, you just get like goosebumps and it's like incredible. You know, just like Wolf's Message, which, by the way, oh my gosh, Suzanne, <laughs> oh my gosh, that book just blew me away. It's amazing. I knew so, it would. Um, I sent it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I've been telling everyone about it too. So, one of the um, ones that's percolating around in my mind right now is I have a client by the name of Danielle, a very, very sweet lady, and she lost a beloved dog. Uh, His name is Argyle, and he's a Westie, a Westmoreland Terrier. Gosh, I hope I'm saying that right. Anyway, he looks kind of like those little Toto dogs, but bigger, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Those Mm -hmm. kind of dogs. Okay. And he's white, and he's gorgeous. And anyway, we were having an... And, and I haven't told her that I was going to share the story today, so she's listening. She's like, oh, my God, she's talking about me. Um, we had a session with Argyle, and you, know, and you know this, sometimes weird things come through. and Oh, yeah. You kind of hesitate sometimes, like, what <laughs> am I seeing or what am I hearing? But I learned a long time ago to just say it, no matter how Absolutely. crazy ridiculous it sounds you just have to put it out there it's not my place to censor the message so (laughs) i saw when i connected with argyle um who lived a very long and happy life um he kept showing me a glass of red wine (laughs) that's not very typical of what a dog on the other side would show me right i mean who shows me a glass of red wine so at first I didn't say anything because I kept asking him quietly in my mind, what is this? What are you showing me? You know, tell yeah, me more. Why? He, yeah, he wouldn't tell me. And 
some, that's how it is with pets. Sometimes they'll answer you. Sometimes they don't. They just will. Sometimes they can't put it into words, or they can't conceptualize it because it's too big of a topic. So they just he just kept flashing me. I kept seeing a glass of red wine. So finally, you know, as we're into the session, um, <laughs> it's about three quarters of the way through. I finally said. Danielle, why do I keep seeing a glass of red wine? Is there wine drinkers in your family? You know, what's going on with that? And she says, oh, my gosh, Karen, I can't believe this. She said, one of our most favorite and precious moments with Argyle was at the Argyle Winery in Oregon, and he was, like, uh, with them when they visited this winery, and they have pictures of Argyle the dog at the Argyle winery, kind of like he was their little mascot. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, it was just one of those precious moments. It was it was just, like, so incredible to her. It was, well, Argyle thought he was a celebrity because everyone was taking his pictures and putting glasses of red wine around him. But this so, is what blows me away, that the, this dog spirit knows that, knew that right. was happening about him and for him. Exactly. And gets and through it, you. Gosh. Yes, it makes you really stop and think, gosh, how much do they know? How much are they capable of understanding? I will tell you, way, 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 way more than you ever imagined. I can't, I am just blown away sometimes by what they tell me. So, Argyle the dog was at the Argyle winery, was surrounded by glasses of red wine. Now, (laughs) you know, you can't dispute that. That's like one of those undisputable moments. And, you know, of course, I I remember it because it it was very unique. You don't see a glass of red wine coming through very often. Mm but, you know, it is so important for us as the medium. We're, we're just the, the messenger. We're just the translator. We're just bringing forth these images and these messages, and it's not our place to put our spin on it or to try to figure out what the message is. We're just supposed to say what we're getting and allow the person that we're having the session for uh, respond to that in whatever way that it makes sense to them. So and, you said you'd be surprised what they know. Yeah. I'm being told to ask you, and this is always, I just mean by my team and spirit, like, is there anything we should know for taking care of them or another story that follows on the tail of that? Oh, gosh. Okay, so as far as what they know, they know about us deeply, especially our health issues, our, our um, emotional state. Um, they know about us on so many different levels because think about how many hours we spend sharing the same energy in our homes with mm-hmm. them. So they become these little sponges, or some of them are big sponges, and they can absorb everything that's going on in our life. Now, they don't always understand it. As I was mentioning earlier, it's hard for them sometimes to put it into terms that would make sense if you were, for example, if you were talking to a human, you know, for instance, and I'll give you a really good for instance here, I had a horse one time, a living horse, uh, was having behavioral problems, wasn't doing what the mom wanted the horse to do, as many of us who have horses know exactly what that's like. 
And I was asking the horse, what was the problem? You know, was there something bothering it? And it said, no, there was nothing bothering it, but there was something bothering his human mom. And I said, well, what is it? This is all quietly in my head. I'm asking the horse this. The horse showed me, Suzanne, numbers that were upside down. So I saw, like, you know, fives and fours and threes and whatever, but they were upside down. And I was, I was like, really, my mind was boggled by this. It's like, what yeah. in the world? Why would I see this? So I'm asking the client on the phone with me, well, are you doing something with numbers right now? Because your horse is showing me numbers that are upside down. And she thought for a moment, and she's like, no, no. And I hear that a lot. No, I don't know what that means. No. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, boom, it'll hit. And yeah. she went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my I love God. those oh moments. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, what? Tell me. You know, I'm dying here. Tell me. And she says, Karen. She says, I am trying to sell my business, but we had embezzling going on with our bookkeeper and when we had a, a third party come in and audit the books they found all these discrepancies instead of being in the black in the in the positive in profit we're in the red we're upside down wow 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 so wow. the horse couldn't say that it can't tell me that that's a big huge concept, but it did what it could. It showed me upside-down numbers. What a perfect way, if you can't describe that, what a perfect mm -hmm. way of saying something's upside-down, numbers are upside-down. So to bring the story full circle, the reason the horse was not acting the way the mom wanted it to, because the mom was so distracted by the embezzling and the, and the company being in the red now, and, and she couldn't sell it, that when she was riding her horse, the horse was picking up on all of that stress, and it was balking at her. It was like, I, I can't handle this. You're, mm. you're overwhelming me with your human problems, and so it was acting wow. out. Wow. What an so, excellent story. I know. I know. So once she realized that, I helped her and I coached her and told her, you know, you really need to think in terms of positives. You need to think when you're with your horse, you need to only think about you and the horse and in that moment and what you want from your horse. You, if you bring, you know, all this dirty laundry with you and all these problems with you, you're going to continue to confuse the horse and upset the horse because horses are one of the most sensitive creatures on the planet. They can feel a mosquito land on their thousand pound body so imagine when we get on their backs and we bring mm. all of our stuff with us wow. imagine how confusing that can be when we're distracted and not present and with them in that moment but anyway that's how that story went wow fabulous story i know my friend jan is listening and she's studying animal communication and has a real close connection with horses in particular and uh, i'm going to ask on her behalf is there any difference when you work between having an animal in front of you versus a photo versus neither just tuning in well for those who are interested in learning how to communicate with animals 
the easiest way and the way I taught myself and the way I teach in my master classes is to use a photograph. You can use the same process if the animal is present with you. However, it can be very distracting if you're working with, say, a dog or a cat or a horse and they leave. <laughs> and they <laughs> leave the room or leave the corral or leave the barn or wherever they are. It can be very distracting, especially if you're new, and it'll cause you to disconnect because you think, oh, well, what happened there? Did I do something? You know, did they not want to talk to me? So you're your left side of your brain jumps in and takes over, whereas if you have a photograph, it's just much easier to hold on to that photograph. The photograph can't walk away. You know, it, it can't run out the door and take off or go play or whatever. You have that photograph right in front of you. You can focus on the photograph, and the photograph holds all the energy of that animal. It's like having that pet's cell phone number. You dial up their energy with that photo in your hand. And that's the easiest way to learn. So there isn't a difference other than if you're easily distracted, then I recommend using the technique with the photo. But truly... You know, but what, that's interesting to me because if, if you're talking to, say, a horse, you're communicating with it, and the horse walks away but you still have the photo, that tells me, that everybody listening also, that you're not really talking to the the animal, the horse, but of course, to the soul, which is that pattern of energy, that field of energy, which you're still communicating with, whether it's in the room or not. Correct. Yeah. So you're not talking to the physical being that's standing there in the room or your cat or dog who's lying next to you. You are talking to that energetic imprint that you that is always there, that's always accessible. So it's yeah. kind of a... It's kind of confusing for those who are starting in the beginning because they think the pet has to be present. Not so. I do all of my uh, animal communication sessions over the phone using a photograph, and I have clients all over the world. I don't have to be present with them or the pet. It's not necessary. Energy, as you know, it can be anywhere. You can pull energy to you. And the pets are so excited and anxious to share messages that, Sometimes they show up before their appointment, <laughs> and then they'll butt, they'll butt in to another session. And I have to very kindly and politely tell them it's not their turn yet, and they have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> what percentage of the pets you talk to are you're talking to them here because they have behavior issues or concerns versus pets who have crossed the veil? Well, because of my book and the success of my book, it has shifted considerably. It used to be about 50-50. I was dealing with health issues, behavior problems, and then afterlife communication. But with the success of my book, it's now almost predominantly afterlife communication. Mm. So once again, you know, without me trying, that's where my path is going and that's where I'm following. So um, I still get those behavior questions, those health concerns, but the majority of my work now and where I'm so passionate is the afterlife. Well, I know that I just want everybody to know that, that you truly helped my husband and I with the and me with our puppy issues. Because when we first found out that our dog Rudy was having issues, your book so comforted me knowing that even, you know, eventually all of our pets will pass and we will too, but we're, we know we're still right here, but your book gave evidence of that. But then with 
we had health issues with our Gretchen, never expecting that she would pass before Rudy did. And you were right there for us, telling us what was going on with her health. And now we're introducing a new puppy into the home. And once again, I called on you and you're helping us (laughs) navigate those tricky waters with an old dog and a new dog. So you're just so well-rounded and have such a huge heart. And anybody that joined us late, this is Karen Anderson, animal communicator, whether here or on the the hereafter. And her website is animalcommunicating.com. You've got to check it out. And her wonderful books, wonderful has any animal not wanted to communicate with you, and what do you what did you take that to mean if it happened? Oh yeah, um, it's it's not very common. Uh, most animals really want to communicate. In fact, they're excited. Uh, they will talk over me. They'll answer my questions before I'm even done asking them because they already know what their mom or dads want to know or want to find out. So most of the time, that's not the case, but I have had animals that literally shut me out. And generally, it's because they're either, number one, this can happen with a lost pet, where they are in fear for their life, or they are in survival mode, or they are fatally wounded, um, scared out of their, you know, skin because they're lost or being chased by something. So there are always those unique circumstances where the animal isn't available to talk. And I literally, it's like getting a door slammed in your face. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't hurt, but you just literally feel the energy shutting. It's like, boom, it's like it sh- just shuts. And yeah. uh, it's, it's something that is um, um, difficult to nurture back once you get that closed door you generally have to wait uh, the animal isn't ready or it's a bad time sometimes they're just not feeling well especially with an elderly pet if they're not feeling well they're grumpy they're hurting and they're not doing too well sometimes you have to approach very gently as as a an energy worker you have to remember how strong your energy can be when you're making that initial connection. For example, it's like dialing up their cell phone. And if you have that ringer turned on really loud, you know what that's like when your phone goes off and it's like, oh, my gosh, that is way too loud. And the same is true when you reach out to an animal. You have to turn down the volume and you need to be very gentle and loving and remember how strong you can come on energetically because a little goes a long way in our work it doesn't take much sometimes to get through and to make the connection and when you're first learning we tend to turn up the volume way too much because we don't realize we're connecting so it's like if you were that pet and let's say I was practicing with that pet and I'm brand new I don't know what I'm doing I've got the volume. You might knock their socks off. (laughs) Listen, Karen, your stories are knocking my socks off, but we have to take a break. So we're not going anywhere. I hope all of you listening aren't either. This is Karen Anderson with a lot more to talk to us about animal communication. We'll be back in a few minutes. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, 
a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield, May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hello, my enthusiastic friends. I so love hearing from you how much you enjoy the show and the podcast and listening to the even the ones in the archives. Well, you're going to want to listen to this one again and again. This is animal communicator and afterlife expert Karen Anderson back again because we so loved her sharing with us before. Karen, so many people listening and now me for the first time. I have uh, my beloved Gretchen across the veil. I've gotten a fantastic sign from her. Only one, but that was enough to let me know everything is well. What about those listening? How can they get signs from their pets who've passed? I think that's a great question, Suzanne, and I know it's one that I get quite a bit. And let me just first start by saying that if you have happen to have a pet that is very outgoing, a very active, Uh, more talkative than normal, then you are more likely to get a message from that personality type simply because that's how they were in life. They were very active, very vocal, letting you know they were around. If you, on the opposite, you happen to have a pet that was quiet, kept to themselves, wasn't rambunctious or needy or in your face or that sort of thing, then typically those messages tend to be more subtle and more difficult to sense or feel, especially when you are grieving. Mm -hmm. So imagine that your pet has made their transition, is now across the veil, and you're in the depths of despair with your grief and your sorrow. Imagine your pet trying to get through that heavy blanket of grief that is surrounding you. It's really tough. They do it, but we're in such um, a painful emotional place. Those messages, yeah, those messages are often missed, overlooked, discounted, discarded, or you know, we just can't. We're, we're we're so closed off at that point because we're trying to nurture that broken heart that we're just not open to receive them. So, Karen, I just, I, I just, I don't usually do some of the talking. I just have to tell you that I asked Gretchen, send me a feather. I don't know how she's going to do that. And the next day, Wolf's dad, Mike Pasacornis, came to visit, walked in the door, held out this giant feather, and said, "I don't know why, but I'm supposed to give this to you." Oh my gosh. And that happens, and that's incredible when it happens. And the one thing I recommend when you do get a message, I mean, that's a crazy good message, be sure you thank them. Be sure you acknowledge them. Ask them to do it again or send more messages. And the more excited you get, 
the more excited they get because they're like, oh, <laughs> got my message, oh, and I'm going to do it again. And then the other thing, too, to remember is, you know, if you don't have a physical body, how are you going to let somebody know that you're around? You know, it, it takes energy to mm-hmm. move something. It takes energy to get a feather in the path of a wolf's dad. It, it takes a, a energy source to make that happen. So I recommend that first you allow yourself to grieve and to go through the process of grieving because that's part of your relationship with that pet is experiencing that grief. And it's part of our our soul's purpose of being together is to have that experience with them. And then to allow yourself as you move into healing to open up to the messages, especially in dreams. That's the number one way that our pets come to us is in our dreams. But to just allow yourself to sense or feel the subtle messages. It could be finding a whisker or a tuft of fur where there shouldn't have been any, a paw print, uh, something may be moved, something may be there. I just got an email from someone who their deceased kitty left their specific little favorite little red birdie toy in their old food dish, and it was nowhere near that, and there were no other pets in the house. So there are some really obvious signs, and then there are some really subtle signs. But I promise you that your pets, if they aren't sending the really loud, obvious lightning bolt in the sky kind of signs, then they are sending you the subtle signs. And it's hard even for me sometimes to pick up on them because that energy is so subtle. Great advice. Yes. And on the the tail end of that, can I add one more thing on the tail end of that? Mm -hmm. One of the things I recommend and something I do here in my office is anytime I'm preparing for a session and I want to make a clear connection, I want to provide the spirits, both human and animal spirits, with a source of fuel. Because the more fuel they have, think about it, the more messages they can send, the less they have to work hard at it, and I can get more and more clear messages from them. So I provide a space, a sanctuary, a sacred space in my office with lots of spiritual fuel. Now, spiritual fuel can be something for you different than what it is for me, but I provide things such as uh, smudging with sage and palo santo. I have uh, quartz crystals in my office that are charged in the sunlight and the moonlight. I have a beautiful uh, fountain with bubbling water in the corner of my office. I have a beautiful green plant that brings oxygen into the room. I have also a huge battery pack. This is kind of crazy. But it's one of those giant ones, you know, the multi-pack of batteries, and I keep that out, yeah. and I tell, I tell the spirits, use the energy from those batteries <laughs> to pull from. Well, whatever you're doing, all of it together is working because you have, you have just fabulous connections. Why don't you fuel us with another amazing story? Okay. Um, gosh, there's so many. Let me see. Oh, here's one. Um, I was connecting with a deceased kitty, and uh, her name was Daisy. And one of the messages she kept sending me was boxcar, boxcar. 
And, you know, I, I take notes when I'm preparing for a session, when I do my meditation. I have a, a notebook in front of me, and, and I'm always checking in with the pets before the session begins, before I have their human on the phone with me. I want to get a sense of that animal's energy. I want to get a sense if there's anything there that I can pick up on beforehand, and it's just my quiet time with that particular pet. And I kept hearing this boxcar reference. So immediately I get images of like a train in my head, right? A boxcar on a train. Nothing else came through. I didn't get any message attached to that. And what the animals will do sometimes to show me where that message goes, they'll overlay it, for instance, like a almost like a label, they'll place it over someone. Like if it goes to their mom, mm-hmm. they'll put that message like across their mom's energy. Or if it goes to their dad, they put it across the dad. So I kept waiting for them, to, this kitty named Easy, to put this message somewhere. And she kept putting it in front of her mom, who was going to be calling me shortly. So um, I, didn't, I didn't get anything else about the boxcar. I just went ahead and started the session. And we were about halfway through the session and I looked down at my notes, and I saw, oh, boxcar, I need to mention that boxcar. So I asked her if she knew what that meant. Do you know what that means? And she kept saying, no. I said, have you had any connection with trains? Did anyone collect trains or, you know, take a train? No, no, no. I kept getting all these no's. And it's frustrating because I know, it, I know it's accurate, yeah, but I'm just, yeah. not, I'm just not delivering it in a way that my client understood. And so... I asked Daisy again, you know, can you show me anything about this boxcar? And she showed me what looked like a handwritten diary. So I said to her, do you have maybe a diary or a handwritten diary or something that would make sense to you? And she goes, oh, oh my gosh, yes. And she says, I've been looking for my mother's personal diaries. She said, we lost them. Uh, during a move, and we haven't been able to find them. They haven't surfaced yet. She said, these are precious. It has all of our, you know, stories of when we were babies and in mom's mm-hmm. handwritten words. And and she says, oh, my gosh, I'm looking for this diary. I said, well, Daisy keeps telling me boxcar, so maybe it has something to do with the train. We mm-hmm. couldn't figure it out. So we ended the session, and then about two weeks later, I get this email, like, exploding email. Oh my gosh, Karen, you won't believe, you won't believe, you won't believe. Well, they went into storage, her facility, storage facility where her mom's car was, and in the car, in the trunk, was Uh, a box that had the diaries and everything in it. And it was was box and car, but I put the two together, box car. Oh, that's great. Now, you know, I have a lot of students, and I'm sure that you teaching this have had the same question, and so I'd love to hear how you advise everybody that's listening and wants to try this. How do you know that this is coming from the pet and you're not just picking it up from that boxcar, clearly, but you really stood with that. You knew that you were getting that from Daisy. How do you know that the things you're getting are not your imagination? Well, it's really tough in the beginning, Suzanne. I think that's what a lot of uh, beginners struggle with, that they think it's just their mm-hmm. crazy, wild imagination, and so they tend to discount it. And it's very common that when a message comes through from a pet, 
That's exactly what it feels like. It feels like it's your imagination. So I always encourage my students and those who really want to learn how to do this that it's it's so similar that just go with it. Just say yeah. it. No matter how crazy, no matter how ridiculous, no matter how absurd, if it's not a thought that you're thinking of, like if right now if you're thinking of what you're going to make for dinner tonight and a message pops in your mind about, you know, let's say Argyle, the glass of red wine, but you're not having wine for dinner tonight, <laughs> that is how a message feels. Yes. It'll feel exactly like your thought, but it's not what you were thinking about. That's it. Yeah. Now, let's talk about how they communicate with you. You've shown images. You're talking about words. And, and I said, I didn't give Gretchen credit that, that she's only sent me that one sign of the feather. But she has started talking to me in full English sentences. And we've had beautiful conversations, which I never had with her before she passed. Are you having these types of English communications? And how do they send words when they don't speak? I know the answer, but I want you to talk about it. <laughs> I know. It's like we, we can understand when our departed humans, loved ones, make their transition, how they can speak to us because they spoke to us. So, you know, of course they know how to speak to us, but how does an animal do it? An animal that doesn't, that can't speak out loud in English or any other language. And, you know, this is really a, a hard concept for some people to grasp, um, but the basic way that I've come to understand it is that I work very closely with my uh, spirit team, my spirit guides. Mm -hmm. And there is a translation process that the messages go through. And I, I work very closely with them so they know how to send me that animal's message in a way that I will understand it and be able to interpret that message using my symbols that I have developed over the two decades of conducting sessions. So for instance, a symbol can be something as simple as um, a traffic light. You've got the red, the yellow, and the green. I mm -hmm. use this very frequently during a session. If it's a no answer, give me a red light. If it's a yes answer, give me a green. If I need to proceed with caution, give me a yellow. And so I've developed these symbols, and my spirit team knows how I will understand the message, so they make sure that I get that message translated into English. Just like when I've worked with animals or pets, I had a racehorse in Germany that was only raised around German trainers that only knew the German language, never around English-speaking anybody, but this horse's person wanted me to find out why it wasn't winning the races anymore. And she said, well, is it, are you going to be able to understand it? Because it only knows German. I said, I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, made the connection and there was no problem. And it didn't even have an, a German accent, I will say. It was like, it was like my voice in my head. Yeah, so if yeah. you have a, a thought right now... That's how a pet comes through. So that's why many people who are first learning, they won't trust what they get because they think it's just their own thought. Almost like on your when you're texting and you know how it auto-corrects, your oh, yeah. brain will auto-correct sometimes. This is why it's really hard to communicate with your own pets because your brain will fill in the blanks for you. Mm -hmm. And um, the same is true with... Um, um, I just totally lost my train of thought there. Yeah, autocorrect, um, filling in the blanks. Oh, yeah. okay. So the same is true. So if you're practicing with your own pet, here's what happens. 
you already know or you think you know everything about that pet. You know what they like, what they don't like, where they sleep, who their best friend is, you know, their favorite toy, their favorite treat, their color of their sweater or bed, whatever it is. You know all that. Your brain knows that. Your left side of your brain knows that, and it's all filed away in there. So when you open up a communication session, it's hard for you to ask a question that you don't already know the answer to, right, because you already know all that. So I encourage my students to practice with pets that they are not familiar with. That's how you learn how a message comes through, how it feels, how it looks, how it you sense it, how it comes into your body, because you'll get the validation from that pet's mom or dad saying yes. Like if you see a red ball, their mom will say yes, their favorite toy is a red ball. So then you can say to yourself, okay, I just saw that red ball flash before me, so that's what a message feels like. It's very much indicative of your imagination or your own thoughts. It's hard to tell the difference unless you're a seasoned pro. Yeah. Well, that's where practice comes in. Right. Well, Karen, let's shift gears here now. We talked about the communicating. Let's Mm -hmm. talk to those who have a pet who crossed. And I remember just being stunned being there when we helped Gretchen cross over. And I'm just so grateful that she didn't have to suffer any longer. There was this, I thought that I might sense a wispy spirit disappearing. Instead, there was this burst of joy, and I felt her whip around me in three quick circles and say, I'm free, and then she went away. (laughs) What's your experience with that? Oh, my gosh. If only we could see with our human eyes what happens to them when they make their transition, it would look like, you know, a scene from a cartoon, like uh, somebody being launched and zipping around in cosmic sunshine and sparks coming off of them and that beautiful wispiness that you describe and that exuberance, it is such a different experience for them when they make their transition and will experience a, a similar uh, transition as well. They, they're released from that body that is failing them. And it's like being launched into this incredible new way of being. It feels so good. They're so happy. They're surrounded in love that they can't help but to be overjoyed. Now, here's the sad part. So here they are having the time of their life, you know, out of a body that has failed them. And here we are, slumped down, in our grief and our pain, unable to move, unable to function, and able to do anything but cry and cry and cry, just imagine how torn they are. You know, here they are, you know, zipping around, happy as can be, and they look at us, and it's like, "Uh uh-oh. You know, did I cause that? Did I make mom or dad that sad? And it's really hard for them because they want us to be happy. They want us to be living a life filled with joy and happiness because they're still so connected energetically, they benefit from whatever state of mind we are in. So, so give us another are, example of that, of, of pets that have shown you from across the veil that they they see their loved ones still here. Uh, well, say the first part. I'm sorry. Just give us another example of evidence you've gotten from across the veil of pets oh. that see their loved ones here. Okay. I get this a lot, um, especially if somebody is, has a lot of unresolved grief, if they are really blaming themselves 
for what happened, if things didn't end the way that they wanted it to happen. Um, I will hear from the pets that they really feel like they are responsible in some way for their mom or dad's unhappiness. They don't understand why because pets see dying and leaving their body as a natural process. They don't mm. fear it like we do or some of us. They see it as just the natural part. They know that things will continue for them. They know that there is something, uh, a next phase for them. And so they, they're not in our human mind where we try to avoid even thinking about it. They just welcome it as a natural process. So then when they connect with me, I hear from the pets that they feel very badly for their mom or dad. They they hover around them. It doesn't hurt them or stop them from following their soul's purpose, but they definitely would prefer if we were in a happy and more joyful state. You can imagine how painful it is to see your loved one struggling when you're doing great and you're right there with them and you're trying to let them know, hey, I'm right here, I'm right here, and they just can't see it. They can't feel it because they're just so overwhelmed in grief. But like you said, you know, we do need to go through that process. That's part of our journey with them, but they just don't want us to wallow in it. They don't want us to, to get stuck in it. And that's why I encourage everybody who is having a hard time moving through their grief to really reach out. There's so many different um, support groups and certified counselors. There's so much out there now if you're having trouble holding on or releasing your your grief. And especially, I know I did this, Suzanne, so I'm sure some of your listeners can relate to this. I held on to guilt. I blamed myself for decisions I made that weren't the best of decisions. I held on to that for like two decades. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a long time ago, but when I was finally able to release that unresolved grief and that those feelings of guilt that I had, it was like transformation happened. And it was it's so here here's the bottom line. When you hold on to that grief, it doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve your pets. It doesn't serve either of you. So think about that. So not that we want to rush through our grief there's no shortcut. We you know, definitely want to honor our feelings and really experience the depth of that pain because that's part of it. But our pets want us to move into a place of healing as soon as we can because they directly benefit from that. Absolutely. Well, in a recent blog post, and I love that you have wonderful information online for everybody. Again, everybody, this is Karen Anderson and her Website is animalcommunicating.com. Pretty easy. But you blog that in the great big web of the universe, we are all connected. Can you talk about, as we come to the end of the show here, your understanding of this web and how our pets fit into that? Absolutely. There is no coincidence that you are sharing time and your home and your life and your heart with the pets that you have shared with. There's no coincidence at all. There is a meaning and a purpose behind it. And I often hear from pets who are departed, I will see what I call many, 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 many past lifetimes together. And Mm. that big web, that big, huge web that we are all connected, 
it, it, it goes out and it's just so vast. And I will actually see when I look back in my, with my psychic eye, I look backward, I can see how many times the client has shared a lifetime, a past lifetime with that pet. And it can number into the hundreds, you know, even further back than I can even see psychically. And everything is for a reason. And the, the reason that you feel more pain when you lose one pet over another, you love them both, but why is it that there's that one pet that's like, you hear it all, I hear it all the time, this was my soulmate, this, this was my heart dog or my heart cat, or, you know, I've just, I love them all, but I was so devastated when I lost this one, is because what I've found, the more past lives you have shared together, you bring all of that love forward. So, of course, you're going to have a stronger connection and a greater sense of loss when you lose that pet that you've shared more lifetimes with. So just because you haven't shared as many lifetimes with a pet doesn't mean you love them less. It's just there's not as much history there to experience that grief as there is with a pet that you've shared multiple, multiple past lifetimes with in that big web of, of connection. Very interesting. And I know, and you know, they're in our lives to teach us one of the most important things, to love without condition. Absolutely. And it, it's, it's really true. I mean, they are, they are my teachers. I'm still a student. I'm always learning. Every time I connect with an animal, I learn something new or different. And if you can grasp that even the loss of a pet, as painful as it is, it has purpose, it has meaning. Uh, it is something that you are supposed to share with that pet. This is a sacred time that the that our pets share with us. The end of their life is considered so sacred to an animal. Think about it in the wild. If we weren't in the picture, they would go off by themselves. They would mm. distance themselves from their herd, their flock, their pack, or whoever they were around. And think about what we do. We bring them into our homes, into our lives, and they share this very sacred moment with us. So be honored, celebrate their life, make their life more important than their death. There we go. Well, Karen, what you do is sacred work. And I I just thank you for coming on the show again, for sharing with all of us and helping us to know that our pets are still with us. They're there. They're always there. Say their names out loud. Say it often. And please make a big deal out of it if you get a sign from them and ask them to send more signs. Fabulous. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work, 
in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.